Well, good morning, church. So glad that you're here this morning. We're going to continue in our series called Don't Give Up as we look at Hebrews chapter 11 and 12. And uh, really chapter 12, 1 through 3 will be our home base. And uh, as we're going through this series, uh, I I don't know about you, but I'm hoping it's an encouragement for all of us to stick with God through the thick and thin of life. So many times there's so much bad news in the world. Any of you get overwhelmed by bad news? Any of you want to turn off the 10 o'clock news at night? Maybe your app and your phone, maybe a website that you check frequently. There's a lot of bad news out there, right? I mean, there's a lot of evil and a lot of sin and a lot of darkness going on in the world around us. Sometimes it's just out there. Sometimes we feel like that darkness is sneaking into our lives, don't we? Things aren't going as we planned. Things, things took a direction or a shift that we, we were not prepared for. Sometimes uh, we get to feeling like, man, there is just, there's just this sadness in, in, in my life. There's, there's just things that like in my marriage or in my family life or at my workplace, they're just not right. And, and things start to get to bring you down. I mean, sometimes I'm like, we need to turn off the bad news, right? Because I don't know about you, but I'm a person of the good news, right? The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know some of you, some of you still get the paper, right? Because I drive by driveways and I see the newspaper in your driveway. I want to encourage you, read some good news before you read the bad news, okay? Because sometimes that bad news can just overwhelm us, especially if we take our eyes off Jesus Christ. You know, some people just go around in life and they just gripe, 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 moan, 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 tell everybody about everything that's wrong and just negative, negative, negative. It's because they're not focusing on the right things. This isn't a series just about changing your focus and getting your focus on the right things. This is a series, and we're going to read it in the text a little bit later, that says, put your faith and fix your eyes on Jesus. Because when you do that, you're going to be amazed at what your life can be because it is faithful to God in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. It's in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12. As always, you can follow along on your phone, iPad, tablet. Uh, go to the Oakwood app. And if you click on the Oakwood app, open it up right there. It says Sermon Notes. And if you click on that, all the notes will be there for you, uh, as well as the scripture and everything. We just want you to hear from God, engage the word of God this morning. That's the most important thing that can happen. And we also want you to walk out of here encouraged. So many times we talk about encouragement, and I, I think that we, we don't understand what we're saying when we say that word. Some of us think we say, well, you know, we'll, we'll tell a friend, I'm just feeling really down right now, and I just need some encouragement. We are saying, I need you to make me feel better. But that's not actually what encouragement means. Encouragement actually means to bestow courage. To make someone who doesn't feel courageous be and feel more courageous. It's not just about feeling better. It's about having guts. It's about being able to look into the darkness of the world and all the fear and everything that can be thrown your way in life and just say, you know what? I'm on God's team. He's on the throne. And I'm choosing to trust and put my faith and establish myself in him, in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to do to be encouraged. And that's really what this series is about, is to be an encouragement that your soul, that your soul would be filled with courage because of your faith 
in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. So let's, let's read our passage. And, and like I said last week, this is going to be kind of our grounding passage. We're going to keep coming back to this um, every week over the next several weeks. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this multitude of testimonies of God's goodness, and we read several of those in chapter 11, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Are you ready to throw off some things? Everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. Man, sin can make a nasty web. Get you all stuck up in it. And let us run with perseverance, all the sports people said. Amen. Got to have a sports reference in every sermon, right? Okay, we're going to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. How? How are we going to do that? Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And then it gives him as an example for us. For the joy set before him, which is a relationship with his creation. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Remember what Jesus went through? Some of you that are going through something bad right now, struggling right now. Remember what Jesus went through? He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3. Consider him. Consider Jesus who endured such opposition. Anyone feel opposed in life right now by people? Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that what? So that what? What's the end result we want here? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So you don't give up. And that's possible when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. Here's the truth I want us to start with this morning is that we, as Christians, sometimes we go through things in life, and, and, and you can see this, and, and you can see this in chapter 11 of Hebrews. We go through things in life sometimes as Christians where you know something else is going on. You ever, you ever been in a situation with someone, maybe they come at you, and you're like, someone's coming at me, but there's something going on in the background. Or maybe you're in a situation sometime where something works out incredibly, and you're like, that's not all there is to that. There's, one of these things is not like the other. There's something going on in the background. And throughout Scripture, in the life of all these saints and all the ones that we're going to read about, we read about uh, Abraham and Sarah last week. We're going to talk about a couple other characters from Hebrews chapter 11 today. In all of these different lives, we see something working in the background. It's like there, there's something going on here that, that maybe we can't exactly put our finger on it, but we know that there's this thing working in the background of the lives of so many of these saints. And here's the truth this morning. Christians don't give up because we trust in God's providence overall. God's providence overall. Providence. You know what providence is, right? Capital of Rhode Island. Providence. That's, no, that is not what we're talking about this morning, okay? It is Providence, Rhode Island, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God's providence. What does that mean exactly? It, what providence is, it is God's sustaining power and sovereignty over all things. Good things? Yeah. Bad things? Yeah. Sinful things? Yes. God's providence is over all things. It, providence of God is this. Providence is the governance of God by which he, with his divine wisdom, with his power, with his might, with his love, with his understanding... It's the governance of God by which he directs all things in the universe. All things in the universe. 
He will work all things in the background. God is always working something behind us, in front of us, over us, and sometimes we just can't see it. Sometimes I think it would do us well as Christians to reflect upon God's perspective on life. Take a step back from the muck and mire that you find yourself in, whatever's going on in your life right now. Maybe it's something that you're bent out of sorts about or whatever. Take a step back from that and say, what is God's perspective here? If God has a big picture, what is it? Last week I used an illustration where I talked about the football coach, right? And and remember what the football coach did at halftime of every game, he went up to the press box He was not on the sideline with the team, came under criticism for it. He was not on the sideline with the team for the third quarter. He spent the third quarter watching the game from the press box. Why? Because he needed a different perspective. And when he got his perspective, he would get some new ideas and some fresh insights. And then he would come down out of the press box, come back to the team's sideline sometime late in the third or fourth quarter, and then he'd start coaching again. And guess what? He had a whole different set of ideas because he had spent time in the press box. Sometimes some of us as Christians need some time in God's press box. But it's hard for us in our flesh condition to do that. And the thing is, God's crying out to us and saying, just have faith. You don't have to see it. If you see it all and you know what I know, where's the faith in that? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Not what we see. There's no faith in sight. There's only faith in God and that God is working his plan. God is working his system. God is working providentially in the background of all of our lives. And this is just not something that that is just our own. And we go back to the text in Hebrews 12, verse 2. And what does he say we should focus on to get our perspective? Fix our eyes on Jesus. Focus your life on Jesus, that he would be the center of your attention. That he would be the focus of your life. The first, the most, the best, the highest Out in front of you all the time, Jesus, you fix your eyes on Jesus. That will help you get a godly perspective. But as Christians, we're not going to give up because we trust in God's providence over all things. And here's the next truth. God can synergize everything. God can synergize everything. That synergize word, that is a good buzzword today. They use words like synergy and synergize all the time. You hear it on The Bachelor. Oh, me and him, we just have such good synergy. It's just, oh, it's just our synergy together is this sparkly. And, you know, people use that term all the time. So, again, I think we got, we got to understand here from a biblical perspective, what does it mean that God can synergize everything? What does, it mean to, what does synergy mean or what does it mean to synergize? To synergize is to combine or work together in order to bring about enhanced combined effect. In other words, God can take this thing over here and this thing over here and this thing over here. This one's good. This one's bad. This one's ugly. And he can bring it all together and say, watch how I synergize. And I can use anything. I can even use sin. I can use things the devil intends for evil. And I can turn them around and make it something amazing in your life. And you're like, whoa, wait a second here. Yeah, folks, this is faith. This is real faith. This is get you through life still walking with Jesus kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that's deep. This kind of faith will put you in the watery grave of baptism with Jesus. 
This is the kind of faith that you walk out, and it doesn't matter what this world throws your way because you're going to fix your eyes on Jesus because you believe in God's providence, and you know he can synergize. He can use whatever happening in your life, good, bad, and ugly, and bring it together for his ultimate purpose and plan. And we're going to read about a couple of characters here in Scripture today where that happens, and God is working. And I want to, as, as we talk about these two characters today, I want you to think about God's providence in their life. What God was working in the background, what they had to do to trust God. Because these Hall of Famers, Hebrews chapter 11, that are the faithful, they believed. They didn't always understand. They didn't understand, but they believed and trusted in God through it all. The first one that we're going to talk about is Noah. So if you're here in 12, 1 through 3, just turn back maybe a page or whatever. We're going to go to chapter 11, verse 7 of Hebrews. So Hebrews 11, 7. Hebrews 11, 7. Noah, how many of you heard of Noah and the ark? Raise your hand if you have ever heard of Noah and the ark. Man, some people don't know about Noah and the ark. Or are you just lying in church? I thought everybody knew about Noah and the ark. Even like people that don't go to church know about Noah and the ark. You've heard of Noah and the ark. How many of us try to get? How many of you have ever heard of Noah and the ark? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay, good. And if you didn't, hey, there's no shame in that. I'm going to tell you about it right now. It's going to be awesome, okay? And then you're going to know. But most of us have seen the picture, you know, two by two animals getting on our, we, 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 know, we know the thing, right? Here's what it says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Noah, big part of scripture, everybody knows him, right? He gets one verse in Hebrews 11, one verse in the faith hall of fame. Here it is. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. That's it. Noah. Noah in the ark. So we, we got to look at this for a second here. Because if you know the story of Noah, well, I mean, just go back to the verse here in verse 11. It says, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen. Most scholars believe the reference there is the fact that by Genesis 6, and that's where the story of Noah starts, that they hadn't had rain in the Bible. There's no mention of rain. There's no evidence of rain. That they probably didn't have rain. Because you have to understand, in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. You didn't need rain to, to rain on the parched earth. Everything was perfect. It was 72 degrees and partly cloudy every day. Beautiful weather. The humidity was perfect. Your skin was so soft and supple. I mean, God's plan was amazing. And then man did what? Satan come in and said, hey, I'm going to see if I can deceive man, turn him against God. Trust in me. Don't trust in God. God's holding out on you. Oh, there's something better. You could be like God because I wanted to be like God and I got sent down here. But uh, you could be like God. And so Satan tempts and man falls and everything's out of balance. Everything's out of order. Darkness, sin is introduced into the world. And you get to the story, and by chapter 5, I mean, God's like, man, i got to hit the reset button here. This is not good. This is not going well. Uh, yeah, we're going we're to have to destroy the earth. But there is a man who is righteous. you got to read what it says in Genesis chapter 6 when it introduces Noah. Like, he's righteous. The only righteous man. He and his family, God-fearing, righteous, faithful man. And God says, okay, I'm going to hit the reset button. I'm not going to destroy all of mankind. I'm going to use this Noah guy. Noah, I need you to build an ark. Noah's going to build an arky, arky, make it of gopher wood. 
make it of a certain wood, and it's going to be really big, bigger than all of the entire facilities of our church combined, the ark is going to be, and you're going to build it on land. You see, by Genesis chapter 6, you're like, are they building boats? Because if you build a boat, don't you do that by water? Because isn't that like a thing, boat, water? You wouldn't build a boat like inland, especially when it's the size of like the ark. Any of you ever been to the ark exhibit? I think it's like southern Indiana, Kentucky, that area. Okay, several of you have been there. I mean, you know, when you get up over the hill, you, you know, you buy your ticket for $5,000 and you get up over the hill. No, it's not that much. And it's worth it. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, I don't, I don't want a dog. It, it's great. But you get up over the hill on your little charter bus and then you see the ark off in the distance and you're like, whoa, that thing is huge. And then you get up on it and you're like, man, is this like the real, like this is the size, the, 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 this is it? Wow, this thing is mammoth. You'd seen that from miles away. And Noah builds it on dry land. You can't move a boat like that, okay? It seems absurd. I'm sure he got made fun of. And not only that, but it's going to take you, because, you know, you're one guy and got to, you know, some of your kids maybe help you with it, 120 years to build it. Can you imagine that? Because here's, here's the truth this morning. Noah trusted the Lord and remained faithful to him even when his service project was 120 years. Guys, we do service projects here at the church all the time. I can't get people to sometimes stay for 120 minutes. <laughs> 120 years of faith. 120 years of it not making sense. 120 years of why are you building a boat over here? The water is out there. Now, we knew there were oceans and land. We saw that in the days of creation, right? So we knew there was oceans and land, but we don't know that there was any rain. And so the saying they had not seen, most scholars believe that, hey, they hadn't seen rain yet. And so, hey, I'm telling you, Noah, build it here. It's going to rain. I'm going to flood. What's a flood? What is rain? I'm going to rain. It's going to, you know, it's going to get wet. And you're going to need that thing to survive. And so just trust me, Noah. And Noah says, hey, you're the Lord. Whatever you say, boss, I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to do what you've told me to do. People come by discouraging, probably making fun of him, probably you know, having a hard time, 120 years, he's building a big boat in the middle of dry land, never seen rain before, let alone flooding, and I'm sure that Noah was at some point a little discouraged. But as I said earlier, encouragement is not making me feel better. Encouragement is to bestow courage, to have the guts to have the courage to do what God has called you to do. And even when Noah didn't really understand maybe all of it, he just said, okay, God, if you say it, I'm going to do it, and that's going to settle it, and here we go, 120 years of building. And I know what Noah might say to some of us today from his story. Hey, I know you're tired. I know you're tired. I know it's not been easy. Progress is slower than you think. Anybody ever build or remodel and had to end on time? No one. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> if you raise your hand, then you're, you're doing the next project here at the church. So, yeah, no. That's not the way it works. Progress was slower than you thought. Don't really understand. I think this is the end picture and the end result, and I think we've got all the, the bases covered and everything coming together, but I'm not quite sure. And God's timing sometimes is a little different than we thought. We thought, oh, this timing would be perfect and, and worth it, and yet it's not sometimes. And 
But Noah trusted in the Lord, remained faithful to him, even when the service project was 120 years. And by the way, the one that Alan was talking about for Saturday, that's not going to be 120 years, okay? Just a couple hours, just your Saturday morning, that's it. Got there and help, help, help horse camp there. And, and, and Noah was faithful and trusted the Lord through it all. Gets one verse. Then there's another one that we're going to talk about today. A, a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph also just gets one verse. One verse. It's found in chapter 11, verse 22. So you're in 11, if you're in 11, 7, jump a few verses ahead to verse 22. Hebrews 11, 22 says this. You guys know Joseph, right? We'll, we'll talk about Joseph. We'll make sure you know Joseph. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. What? You know this Joseph and the Technicolor coat, right? The dream coat. You, you, you know Joseph and the coat of many colors, right? And, and he was daddy's favorite. Don't play favorites with your kids, dads. And, and it causes jealousy, and the brothers want to kill him, and they take off the jacket. I mean, you know the story. He gets sold into slavery, ends up in Egypt. But wait, what's weird about this, when you read this, is by faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. He didn't, wasn't a part of that. But he was speaking about having God as faithful for the future, it's almost like Joseph could see into the future of what was going to happen. Because see, if you study and you know Joseph's story in Joseph's life, that's how they got into Egypt. But it was to save their lives. Well then, after being enslaved, and a whole generation or two die, and Pharaoh's like, who are these, you know, people? And they said, hey, let my people go. You know the whole story of Moses and all that? I mean, that hasn't happened yet. So it's weird for the writer in Hebrews here to be saying, hey, Joseph, but he knew about the future. He put his trust and his faith in God, and he saw that God was working his plan. Because we think when we read that story that God was just saving the Israelites from famine. And we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But what's actually happening, folks, if you read the text from Genesis, God is saving the lineage from a promise he'd made to Abraham. Now, if you were here last week, you know what that is, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. He said... He made a promise to Abraham, and all the earth will be blessed through you. So if all the earth is going to be blessed through you, and that worldwide blessing someday would be the lineage that leads all the way to King David in the Old Testament and all the way to Jesus Christ, then you've got to protect the lineage or God doesn't keep his promise. So God has to be working providentially in the background to make all this happen and to save the line. And it's amazing right before you get into Joseph's life and in Genesis and you start reading about it, we're talking about this guy named Judah. Someday, somebody would be called the Lion of Judah. Yeah, we needed Judah to survive. And so God was working a plan in the moment, but also another providential plan in the background through all of it. You see, God worked his ultimate plan in and through the life of Joseph providentially. And the problem is that sometimes as Christians, we don't see it, we don't believe it, we don't think about it. We don't think about God's providence. We don't talk about that much in the church. You haven't been taught much about that. You haven't, haven't seen the Bible study on the, on the providence of God, but it's there, and God is working all throughout Scripture and even providentially in our lives today. And our response to this is something like this. It just so happened. Oh, really? Yeah. Because God couldn't use sinners, 
so it just so happened. Or God couldn't use a bad thing. God, God, could, God only could only use good things. He's a good God. And so, but no, he works through all things. He's over all things. Did you know when it rained this week? Anybody happy for rain this week? Okay. Did you realize that it rained on the farmers that are faithful Christians? That it... They come to church, they give a tithe of all that they make off the land every year, and they're faithful. Did you know God made it rain on their farms and the farms of the guys that keep it all to themselves and, and turn their backs on God and don't worship God, don't believe in God? The atheist farmers got rain, and so did God's farmers. And there's scripture to back this up that talks about that God makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Why? Well, because it's his will and his plan and he's got this thing going in the background that we don't understand sometimes. We, we oh man, we're Christians. We should have it all right now. It's not fair. Oh, tell me not fair in eternity with heaven and hell. Why, why is the writer saying fix your eyes on Jesus? Because you need to have an eternal perspective. Don't get caught up in just seeing the here and now. God made it rain on everyone this week, even people that don't like his son. And if that's his will, then I'm just going to choose to trust in him. And that's what so many of these Bible characters had to do. It didn't just so happen. The life of Joseph, really. It just so happened that Joseph is his dad's favorite. And it just so happens that he makes him this fancy coat. It just so happens that his brothers are jealous. It just so happens they get so jealous, they take him out in the wilderness, they're going to kill him. It just so happens that I think it was Reuben says, hey, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Like, I don't want to kill our brother. Then we're all murderers. You know, we should just drop him in a pit. Well, that's what we should do. And then we should tear off his coat, put some animal blood on it, take it back to dad and say he's dead. But, hey, we didn't kill him. But we could just say, yeah, he's dead. You know, we can lie, but we're not going to be murderers. We'll be liars, but not murderers. That would be much better. Okay. And, and, and it just so happens that they, they decide, okay, you know, we'll go with this plant, throw him in the pit. And it just so happened that at that time, here come some slave traders from Egypt. And it just so happened that these slave traders from Egypt go down, they see, and, you know, well, he looks pretty strong still. Yeah, we'll take him. We'll take him. Here's, here's some money for you, bro. You take him. All right, here we go. And it just so happened that those slave traders were from Egypt. And it just so happened that they go into to Egypt, and, and that he, because he is strong and, and stuff, and he's, he's good looking, and he's strong, and he's intelligent. The scripture says that Joseph was intelligent. That that is seen by a man in Egypt named Potiphar. And it just so happens that Potiphar, his position in Egypt is he is the head captain of the guard over Pharaoh. He's the lead security. He's the secret service for, for Pharaoh. And it just so happened that he chose Joseph to be in his house, and he sees Joseph's intelligence. And he says, man, this guy's really sharp. I tell you what, I'm running Pharaoh's security detail. You can run my household. And it just so happens that Potiphar had a wife. It just so happened that she was a seductress and a liar. It just so happened that she made false accusations against Joseph that you know, he was coming on to her when she was really trying to seduce him. And he was faithful to God. And he said, no, I'm not going to do it. And it just so happened that through it all, she goes to her husband, tells a bunch of lies about him. And it just so happened that Joseph gets thrown into prison. Not good. But it just so happened that while he was in prison, that Pharaoh was having some dreams that needed interpreted. It just so happened that through relationships that Joseph had in prison of people who were close to the king and people who were imprisoned who were close to the king, it just so happened that God worked all this out. It just so happened. That, that God worked this out to where he would actually come before Pharaoh and have a hearing before Pharaoh and interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And it just so happened that Pharaoh said, man, this guy is wise beyond his years. 
And if he is right about this famine thing, that we're going to have seven years of plenty here and that we need to, man, we need to be storing up and be ready for the future. And then there's going to be seven years of famine in the land and people aren't going to eat, people are going to die. It's going to be horrible and it's going to strike everybody in this region with it. And that's what these dreams I keep having are about. Then I'm going to choose to trust in Joseph. In fact, you're so wise and smart. I want you to work that plan that I've been dreaming about. In fact, I'm putting you second in command over all of Egypt. Just, just so happened. Just so happened that he's second in command over all of Egypt. And the famine comes, and they've been saving up for seven years. And everyone knows, man, Egypt's been smart. I don't know who tipped them off, God. But, uh, you know, they, they, he's been tipped off. He's been storing up for seven years. And so people from the land of Goshen... That would be Jacob, Joseph's father, all of his brothers need food or they're going to die. And so they come to Egypt for food. And it just so happened that they come and stand before the brother they'd sold into slavery and they couldn't even recognize him. And it just so happened that God provided for that family to save their line. And just so happened as you read the rest of the story, uh, folks, this stuff just didn't so happen. God's working his providence and his plan in the background of all of it. This was no accident. And I want you to read in Joseph's own words his response. This is Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 through 9. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Y'all get in here. Because remember at first they did not know who his brother was. I mean, they didn't know that this second in command in Egypt was their brother. They hadn't seen him. Years. He says, hey, brothers, come, come close. And when they had done so, he said, hey, I know I'm second command over all of Egypt, ugh, but I'm your brother Joseph. Jaw drop. Can you imagine what that moment would have been like with his brothers? I mean, are they crying? Are they screaming? Are other things happening? I, I, I'm your brother Joseph, the one who, the one you sold into Egypt. Listen to this. And now, do not be distressed. Oh, I bet you they're distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves. Oh, they're angry at themselves. For selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wait. He just said, don't be angry for selling me here, but God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping here. But God sent me ahead of you in his providence, to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. What a plan. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. What is the faith in that? Through, through the prison, everything going on. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler over all of Egypt. I'm the second in command. He trusts me more than anyone in this kingdom. Now, hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and don't delay. Do you, did you hear that? I mean, this guy, those, those brothers were horrible to him. I mean, this is beyond, beyond sibling rivalry. They thought he was better dead. And yet, we see that God was working through all of the bad things providentially to work his plan to not just save Jacob and the family, but to save the lineage that will get to King David, that will get to someday Jesus Christ. You see, we need to understand this morning, last thing, we are blessed to have our Lord's providential treatment in our lives. 
We're blessed to have the Lord's providential treatment in love. Now, what do we want in our flesh? We want preferential treatment, not providential treatment. We want preferential treatment. We want to be treated as special and everybody to like us and, you know, to throw our, our weight and our accomplishments around like someone ought to go, ooh, and be impressed and treat us different than everyone else. It's called pride. But that's not what's best for our lives. It's really not what we want in our lives at their core, we are so blessed to have God's, to have the Lord's providential treatment with us. You see, man sold Joseph, but God, we find out, sent Joseph. Man threw Joseph in prison, but God delivered Joseph through prison to a palace. Man made Joseph a house servant in Potiphar's home, but God made him second in command over all of Egypt. And how did this all happen? Where did it all begin? Folks, it began with the sin of some brothers who were jealous of their younger brother. That's how it started. God could use sin. God could use jealousy. In there stories that come after this in, in Egypt about God hardening Pharaoh's heart? Which I always think, that's weird. Why didn't you just soften his heart and even let him go? And God has a plan in his, through his providence and his plan and his power in his mind. He's working that around in the background. And our response is to be faithful and to trust in him. And that's what it's saying here in Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 11 is by faith, trust in God, even if life isn't working out the way you'd hoped or the way you thought that it should. And that God can even use something horrible like man's jealousy. And you know what's really interesting? It's a little extra tidbit. Read Matthew 27, 18 sometime because we find out that it was actually man's jealousy that put Jesus Christ on the cross. The jealousy of some religious elites, some Sanhedrin guys. They were jealous of Jesus because he could teach with authority he was loving because he could do miracles God even used man's jealousy to work out his plan to get Jesus to be the worldwide blessing and the sacrifice for all of our sins it's crazy it's summarized well in Genesis chapter 50 Genesis chapter 50 the very end of Genesis last chapter of Genesis and the very end of Joseph's life Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 Joseph says this you intended to harm me but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I wonder if Joseph realized the saving of many lives went beyond his family, went beyond the lineage to Jesus, went even to us today because God was providentially working in the background and working his plan. Is that not amazing, folks? This is our God. This is our God. This is who he is. This is what he does. He's got this plan. Romans 8, 28 is a great reminder for us. And we know that in all things, just the good things. No, in all things, just the easy things. No, we know that in all things, well, just the things that aren't tough in life. No, that in all things, just the easy things, just the things I like. No, we know that in all things, God works for the good. He's working for the good. Even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it. He's working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I know sometimes we don't understand, and you can't understand, and sometimes you'd be praising the Lord you don't understand if we knew what God knew about the future. But, as it's been evidenced in Scripture, 
in the Faith Hall of Fame. And that's not an exhaustive list, folks. In Hebrews 11, if you think, well, this is the exhaustive list of everyone who was faithful in Scripture and believed and trusted God. No. There's a Bible full of Bible characters. There's a Bible full of people. People that were normal and ordinary, just like you and me, that just chose to trust God. And the world thought they were crazy for building an ark, spent 120 years on it, but man, they looked real smart when it started raining. People like Joseph, <laughs> the lowest of lows, you're a slave. Now I'm second in command over all of Egypt. Why? Because God's good. He's got a plan. He's working his plan. And our response is to say, you know what? I trust in you. I'm put my faith in you. I'm going to put my faith in myself, my plan. I'm going to put my faith in you because of who you are, because I know you hold the future, and I know you're working things in the background, even when I don't understand it sometimes. And I'm going to choose to trust in you, and I'm going to choose to trust in your sovereignty and in your providence. And I'm going to put my faith and trust in you more than anything in this world. And I pray this morning that that's your response as you look and understand more. And as you're looking at your life right now, and there's some situations, uh-uh, there's some stuff that you don't like, and then there's some stuff that you do. Some of you are in a really good season right now. Some of you are struggling mightily. I want you to know God is working. He's got a plan. He's working in the background. Don't let the circumstances of life lead you away from God. Let those circumstances be seen as a greater vision. Go to the press box with God. See it from his perspective and choose to say, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because God is my God, and he is going to get me through.